All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. Favorite song swinging on the front porch 
Just laughing at the dolls How you swear you love me more When you're whispering at night All those little moments Are every reason why I'm homesick This feeling that I'm feeling Though we don't quit It's like half of me is missing Heaven knows it That all I wanna do is be alone with Your brown eyes are tangled up just hold I've never been before Yeah, they're screaming my name This is what we dreamed about But out here singing about you, baby All I'm thinking about is how I'm homesick This feeling that I'm feeling Though it don't quit It's like half of me is missing Heaven knows That all I want to do is be alone To the misfit nation if you have not had the chance check out our first book 13 step guide to success it is available on paperback and kindle editions through amazon if you are listening or joining us for the first time on youtube thanks for joining and be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and of course subscribe to our youtube app channel at the underscore misfit nation so you'll stay up to date on all of our podcasts as they release while also having the opportunity to get and hear stories of our amazing guests speaking of which our next guest has more than a decade of experience in the technology world, leading product teams in healthcare, analytics, and supporting executive teams on product strategy. As an actuary for the largest health insurer in Massachusetts for five years, she was at the tip of the spear of healthcare reform before launching into technology startups. But actually, none of that matters, because in the middle of the pandemic, she decided to throw all that experience out the window 
and launch a cachaça spirits. Her brand of Brazil's favorite spirit, cachaça. Despite having no prior experience in the wine and spirits industry, she has successfully navigated the complex world of international supply chain, management, the U.S. three-tier system, and social media marketing to bring her brand to the market. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Adelaide Campbell. How are you, Adelaide? I'm really well. How are you? Awesome. Great day today. Not too hot, not too cold. Just a perfect mix. Wonderful. So Adelaide, if you don't mind, if you'd like to tell a little more of your backstory, more than I just did in your intro there, to the Misfit Nation, and uh, share us from as far back as you want to go to how this all started for you. Well, I I think that you made me sound extremely uh, impressive there. I, I would actually kind of say that I, my story is probably not as um, <laughs> not as extraordinary as you just made it sound, but I really appreciate that. Um, so <clears throat> yes, let's let's just start back at uh, at the beginning of of really my professional career. So I was always a math kid, um, math team, Nosset High School, twenty. I'm not going to tell you. Um, and, uh, so I, um, after I graduated, uh, my undergraduate degree in math in pure math, I kind of took a step back and looked around into my, what my options were. And, uh, the actuarial profession was kind of, um, doing a big marketing push to attract people into the job and the career path. And so I looked into it and for those of you who may not be familiar with what an actuary is, it is a less sexy version of accountant. So, um, <clears throat> so I like to, the way I describe it to people is uh, accountants look backwards. They look at the books, their finances. Um, they're really great at parties. You know, they love their khaki and um, actuaries look forward. So they base their predictions off of what historically happened in the past. And then um, I, we look at our crystal ball and anticipate trends and we look at marketing market activities and um, uh, everything that's going on and make our predictions of what's going to happen in the future. And then usually they're in some sort of, a, of an insurance role where they're um, pricing premiums or something like that. Really exciting, thrilling <laughs> stuff. Um, couldn't like couldn't keep my 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 mind still for for the uh, years I did that. So I did that for five years at Blue Cross in Massachusetts, which is the largest insurer in that in that state, and um, was really the one that propelled the um, kind of recent the trends that you've seen in the last decade of paying providers for quality care. And I will not bore you with the details, but um, a lot of Excel, a lot of spreadsheets, um, and like I said, a lot of khaki. So from there, I kind of realized that maybe my personality didn't fit with uh, this particular career path. I was a little too, um, too vivacious for, for the health insurance world. So I pivoted my career in 2018 into tech startups, which at the time was great because we were in Boston and the tech sphere there was really, really active. There was lots of stuff going on. And um, I ended up at a company called Notarize doing product analytics, working with the CEO. And at the time, the company was struggling because there wasn't really a, a market for what is now known as remote online notarization. Again, really sexy stuff. Um, but uh, since the pandemic hit, that company has really taken off. And, and I'm really proud of the, the uh, success that they've had. 
but from that company, I moved on back into more of like the healthcare analytics actuarial space. And then um, 2019, 2020, and something called COVID hit. And we all started working from our homes. Uh, my then partner, now husband and I just kind of last on a spur of the moment, picked up our lives and relocated from Boston to Miami. Um, so that was a big life change. And with him, moved a majority of his company and his employees. Uh, we, he relocated or opened a second office here in, in Miami for his company. And I started working remote for a Boston-based health analytics company, doing product, do it, leading their team, but still um, uh, kind of remote and, and um, sitting at home by myself. So a year, well, a year into the pandemic, so January of last year, I just kind of realized I was putting, I was incredibly unhappy and um, lonely working out of my house. Um, and so I, I basically pulled the ripcord. I, I, I think when I called my boss that day, um, bless him, he didn't realize that, and I don't think I realized that I was going to quit. So I started crying and said, I can't do this anymore. And I, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I couldn't do that anymore. The, the left to right kind of um, very, very rote, remote kind of work. And so I took a deep breath and started thinking about, well, if I start looking at some of the jobs that are here in Miami, maybe something, there's just such, such an energy down here in Miami. And um, if I look into some of the, the jobs that are here, maybe something will work out. Um, also supporting my husband with his company. And then maybe I'll just pursue a passion project. Um, and out of that, Kashasa Spirits was born. <laughs> Outstanding, what a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to say from, from spreadsheets to spirits. <laughs> that, that's awesome right there. I mean, I started my college career thinking I was gonna be an accountant also. And uh, after poking myself in the eye a few times, I. Decided to go to marketing and then join the army. So it's totally different. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I find myself doing so much marketing and finding joy in the marketing stuff now. Um, I wouldn't have, have pictured myself doing this a long time ago, but yeah. It's a way better life for you. Happiness, uh, sure. The hustle and bustle of Boston, kind of Miami's kind of a hustle and bustle town too. Just a, it's sunny and you have palm trees and a lot of places to hang out. A little different in Boston. It is. And I think there's also a just uh, it's almost like living in a foreign country down here. If that foreign country were Cuba. Um, <laughs> it, it, but I, I've never lived out of the Northeast. I've never really lived out of Massachusetts. And this was such a large change for me and, and an eye opening experience. And I, I always kind of am transparent when it comes to my company and, and Cachaça because Cachaça is a Brazilian rum. I'm not Brazilian. And I part of the brand story and, and what I tell people is I didn't create Cachaça to, to, for the Brazilians in the US. I created it to open Brazil up and all of Brazil has to offer to people like me. Um, and so that <clears throat> there's so much, there's the, so, Cachaça, if, um, if you don't know, is the actual, it's the third most produced spirit in the world. Almost a billion liters are produced every year. It's only behind um, vodka and uh, soshu, uh, which is Korean vodka or Chinese vodka. And so 
but 99% of it stays in Brazil. And, and cachaça is to Brazil what tequila is to Mexico. And by being down here in Miami and being exposed to Latin and Central America and all of these cultures, you start to think about all of the other things that, that the, the world has to offer. And I figured I could be at least a little bit of a part of bringing South America to, to a lot of Americans who don't currently know about it and know about all the great culture and the great, great stuff that, that you can find in Brazil. And bring a little bit of that carnival up to, to Miami. Exactly. Although I don't think I don't think Miami needs any more carnival. We've got enough enough spirit here. Um, But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I went to both places with my former job. I had to go to Boston to do a service project and then Miami after that. And it was night and day going to both of them. But uh, at least in Miami during the service project, I was able to run out into the water off the beach where we were working, come back and work again. So it was a lot more fun than working in a playground where there was needles and stuff in Boston. So two two different uh, dynamics. Uh, I grew up in the Northeast as well, but uh, I left and never went back. So <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun down in the South. Well, the one thing I like to say is um, is in Boston, you, you don't realize how... Um, how monochromatic is it? It is the 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 streets are gray, the trees are gray. People dress gray, blue, black in those colors, and then you come down to Miami, and it's like this explosion of sound and color and language and life and food, and you just go, whoa! It's it's a it's like a it's a completely different animal to the Northeast, and what that did was just kind of make me feel like I wanted to be a part of it. And it, it ignited that kind of entrepreneurial spirit within me that said, you know what, I can do it. And there's also a certain amount of hustle down here it, that, that you don't get in, in Boston. Bostonians tend to lean more towards the lawyers and doctors and things like that, more of the stalwart and the actuaries, um, <laughs> the more stalwart career paths in the Northeast. And then down here, it's I'm going to do this. I'm going to be something else. And, and that was, that was incredibly inspiring to me. What introduced you to Kashasa? <laughs> this is a, this is a funny story. So um, when we moved down, um, my husband had a couple, like one of his employees working out of our house and he is from Alabama and he, his parents live in Virginia now Um and I think it's right near the naval base that's there in, in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, but <clears throat> he brought over a bottle of cachaça one, one Friday afternoon and said, my parents, we drink, we make caprinas all the time. And um, we had never, I'd never had cachaça. And so you try it and cachaça kind of comes in two speeds, one of which is really expensive, $40, $50 a bottle. It's very smooth. It's vegetal, grassy. It can be a little funky. And then there's rocket fuel. And we had some rocket fuel that night, which was great. Um, But he told the story of how his father found, like, fell in love with cachaça. And I I don't remember where they were in South America, but they were drinking caprinas and they were very, very drunk. And they couldn't remember how to pronounce what they wanted so they're in they're in a spanish-speaking country and they're just ordering and they kept they they decided it was like uh caca so they just kept screaming at the bartender all night caca caca <laughs> and had a great night woke up the next morning not knowing what they'd had 
until many years later and he finally realized Kashasa, Kaka, Caprinas, and that is how it came to be in my life. Uh, wow. The way that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, do you import from Brazil or do you actually distill in Miami? Well, much like champagne, Cachaça is actually a protected name. So, we can thank um, the founder of Leblon, which is now a Bacardi brand, but the founder of Leblon lobbied the US government. And I think there was some lobbying in Brazil that happened as well in 20, 2013 to 2015 period um, that legally protected cachaça. So it's like champagne where champagne can only come from the Champagne region of France. Cachaça has um, there's some pretty strict legal requirements around it about alcohol volume, sugar percentage, um, and um, that it can be only be produced in Brazil. And so our cachaça is authentic cachaça distilled in Brazil. And uh, then we ship it here in bulk, in totes, um, for a couple of reasons. One, it is um, more economical to ship it that way. Rather than shipping the heavy glass, we're able to ship more volume. And then also, it allows us to maintain quality and consistency, which is very important for an American consumer to make sure that they're having a, a positive experience when they're experiencing something new for the first time. So um, it is it is created in Brazil from a wonderful supplier partnership that we have, and uh, it makes its way on a on a ship um, all the way here to Port Everglades. Wow! All right, so then you then you do all the bottling there off the the bulk, and then yep. spread it out throughout the country, or just Miami and Florida for now. Just Miami, uh, just South Florida for now. Um, hopefully with a direct-to-consumer line very soon where you'll be able to go on our website and um, order your own bottle for shipment wherever it's legally allowed to ship. Talk about the three-tier system. <laughs> <laughs> Legalities of everything. <laughs> a friend of mine uh, that I've made through this process, um, he wrote a book that I found very valuable getting this business up and running called um, Getting U.S. Market Ready and how to enter into the wine and spirits world, um, particularly as an, uh, an import brand. So you're a, you're a French wine or an Italian wine or something getting into the US. But he said, the US system is like an onion. Every layer you peel back, uh, every, you, it's full of lots of layers and every layer makes you cry. <laughs> Each one of them gets you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when uh, you had this, uh, the aha moment to become an entrepreneur, what has been the most surprising thing since you started the company? Um, the lack of sleep. And <laughs> <laughs> I will be completely honest. I think our, if you're based on the East Coast right now, it's about seven o'clock in the evening when we're chatting. Um, I've been up since four o'clock this morning. I've been up. I've, I've actually been up and it's mostly just because you're your brain is going 24 hours a day and there is never enough time, especially in the beginning when you're doing it by yourself, you've got, and you're also, when you're excited about something, you're overflowing with ideas and you just don't have enough physically within you to get it all out. And then that just ends up in a lot of sleepless nights. The other thing that's been surprising is how utterly gratifying something can be when it's physically represented to me so for my 
previous life as an actuary, it was just moving numbers around on spreadsheets and then emailing documents. And there was never anything physical I could hold in my hand that I could point to and say, I did that. Um, and so being able to go to a, a liquor store or a bar and see my bottle on the shelf and say, I did that from okay. nothing. I did that is, is like this incredible sense of pride. That's outstanding. And when you were dreaming up bringing Cachaça to the United States, how many trips did you take to Brazil to get this thing, get this thing solidified and brought up? Um, would you believe none? None. Wow. <laughs> I I didn't. And um, I think this is a, a, a testament one to the, the amazing power of the internet and also the power of connection in the last two years where everybody's been simultaneously isolated, but we're all going through the same thing all at once. Um, and so by being kind of anchored in the U.S. because of COVID and unable to travel, um, I haven't been able to get down to Brazil. We do have a trip planned for later in the summer, but um, being able to just network like crazy using the internet and be able to put myself out there and reach out to the people I think could be able to most able to help me and able just come not comfortable but confident enough to reach out and ask questions saying do you have a recommendation I actually the way I ended up finding this particular book or making friends with this particular author excuse me um was because I was going through all of these um, industry and trade websites looking for bulk cachaça. I knew I wanted to import it in bulk and um, I just needed to find a supplier. And so I, I found a supplier who was able to, to ship it to me, but he wouldn't, he was trying, I was trying to get samples sent to me. Obviously you want to try the product before you put your name behind it. Um, and he was being really weird about importing. And I had learned enough um, at that point about the import process and you, um, in order to sell alcohol uh, as a brand, you need to have what they call a COLA, Certificate of Label Approval. But what you can do in order to import sample bottles, um, even if they're branded in another country, is you can get a COLA waiver. And I had obtained one of these and I was, you know, he was telling me I needed a full COLA. And I'm, I'm thinking, I, I, I wasn't getting a good feeling about this guy. And so I reached out to the author and I said, I have this question is really random but I'm not I, I what would you and, and then he clarified for me he was the one who put me in touch with um another entre, uh, spirits entrepreneur who then uh was able to put me in touch with this particular distillery in Brazil that he knew and trusted um and has uh has support like has really great product within Brazil and he was the my supplier is wonderful he's just I can't wait to meet him because we've had this great relationship over email and we're very understanding and I've been very, I, I'm, I've been very um, uh, dedicated to helping him through the process because it's really intimidating and important to the US if you've never done it before. And even if you have, um, trying to do it remotely from Brazil is, um, is it, you, the US bureaucracy and, and customs and the FDA because this is a consumable, um are, are all a lot of bureaucratic hoops to jump through fortunately being an actuary and being <laughs> familiar with the insurance world and paperwork and legal and all that stuff i have i have thrived in the bureaucratic world of the uh three-tier system so um so no trips to brazil yet but um very soon hopefully we'll be 
we'll be heading down there. I'm sure when you get there, you'll you'll have your own carnival when you get down there and have your cup yes. of, of your cachaça in your hand and go go around shaking shaking hands and <laughs> and taking sips. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you, had, I mean, you had almost you had your career going uh, 100 miles an hour, 10 years and a decade doing one thing, an actuary, poking your eyes out. You said uh, going blind with numbers and such with the insurance industry, and then going to a tech a tech company, and then you had your aha moment and moved into this. A lot of people don't have that aha moment uh, and actually have success moving forward. How do you feel that you made that jump, that leap from uh, corporate grind? to you're free and doing your own thing now i um i I completely understand what you're saying because one thing i fight every single day and i know a lot of entrepreneurs do is imposter syndrome and especially at the beginning you're 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 doing these things and you're making these calls that that are huge and um scary and then you thinking i'm not qualified to do this who the heck is going to trust me right (laughs) um and um, I was, when I was in my previous career, I was earning really nice six figure salary, great benefits, cushy life. It's really, um, being an actuary is a great career path if somebody is passionate for it and, uh, it suits their lifestyle. But for me, it was, um, it was not enough to get me out of bed in the morning anymore. And so, um, I'm fortunate enough that my, my husband is so, such a wonderful partner And the biggest thing that was able to help me make that leap was his confidence in my ability to do it and say, you know what, this is obviously not making you happy. It is, um, there are other options out there. There are different things that you can do. And I came from a very conservative um, background where my my mom was always the one to push me towards the safe (laughs) answer which is, again, I picked literally the safest career you could have possibly imagined. And um, so when I first made the leap from the insurance company to the tech startup, she put that seed of doubt in my mind, say, well, you're giving up these great benefits. And it's essentially, you know, those insurance companies are are wonderful places to land and spend an entire career, um, if, if that's the kind of thing you want. But I kind of had to, that was my first push forward, uh, push, push, back against her and said, you know, this is, I'm, I'm earning just as much money as I was before. I'm, I'm confident that I will be more fulfilled with this, continue to have success there. And then what I did when I started the company was I didn't tell her, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell her for like, I like four months that I had quit. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, she actually right around the same time she called me and we had a conversation. We talk all the time. We talk once a week or so. And, um, she she says I've got news and she had retired and she was like this was out of the blue she had retired and um then of course a week later she calls me she goes I'm unretiring (laughs) but um but I said well um I quit my job in January (laughs) this is like Uh. um but I've started I've started this other thing and I explained it to her and at that point I had a website and a brand and a logo and product and and enough to show her that it was something that was going to be sustainable and worth pursuing and everything like that so I didn't I kind of got out ahead of the doubt (laughs) on that one um but um 
it is it is incredibly hard to make that leap from from employee to entrepreneur and a lot of people um are uh without a proper without a good support system whether it's friends family partners um uh, so, uh, social networks or, or professional networks um it's really hard to make it and i think that it's just it's it's the simultaneous most gratifying and scary thing i've ever done but i wouldn't change it although you know it asked me tomorrow morning at 4 a.m <laughs> <laughs> Well, my dog wakes me up at 4 a.m. every day to, to eat for some reason. I don't know why, but he has to eat at 4 a.m. So he's he's my my trigger. I don't need an alarm clock anymore. So. <laughs> my cats are the same way. So, I don't, I'm not sure what's in his head that he has to eat at the time. He thinks he's dying, but he gets everybody up at 4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm right there with you at the 4 a.m. And uh, it's a lot of fun as the day goes longer and longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all the skills you built up during your uh, corporate career, how many of those skills were actually useful as you came into launching the company? A lot, actually. And um, I've kind of meant, I've alluded to it a few times where my ability to, first of all, in um, legal lease and legal documents, the stuff that you get from the policymakers and, and the government are, um, you know, uh, if not, like the most boring thing you've ever read in your life. Um, definitely, definitely up there. I think I might want to read my, um, my dishwasher manual more, but, uh, but, but what it does is it, it, my, my job as an actuary really was to read the law and understand how it was being implemented and how, how it was written with intent and, um, work your way through the system. So um, being an actuary, being even being in the tech world and in notary notary world where it's kind of a legally binding document, it's all about working your way through the system and checking the boxes. And um, so when it came to moving through the, moving through the three-tier system, understanding it, understanding the, the um, process of getting liquor, not just anything imported into the US, but alcohol, which is a controlled substance, excuse me, um, it really helped my ability to think left to right and check the boxes and read through all of the, you know, us.gov uh, literature that was out there on, um, on what paperwork, what permits do I need, because as, a, as an alcohol importer, I need a, um, a federal import permit in order to, um, to import the alcohol. And then I also need a brand registration here in Florida. Uh, I also need to be registered as a wholesaler in order to be able to sell my alcohol. Um, and then it's a matter of the paperwork getting it into actually into the country, which is um, clearing it with customs and um, also letting the FDA know that it's coming and that what's coming and how much is coming and, and things like that. So when they inspect it um, at, the, uh, at the port, they it can move right through. Uh, that also combined with the logistics aspect of it, which um, trying to coordinate freight in a supply chain crisis in <laughs> Brazil, never having done it before was, um, was a six month process. Wow. And uh, yes, and, and it's, it, it's one of those, okay, you start to work your way backwards from what's my goal. Okay, my goal is to have liquid on a, in a container on a boat. Okay, how do I get the container? And now you have to Google that. Okay, how do I find somebody to find me a container? 
figure that out. Okay, my, my distiller, my, my producer is going to deliver it to Rio, but how do I make sure that it gets from his truck into the container, you know, and just you start working your way through all of these things and you just start checking boxes, checking boxes, um, as you do as an actuary and, and that worked out really well. Um, the other thing is um, from a, an entrepreneurial side, a lot of people, I think, especially in the liquor industry, come in with a huge passion for distilling or blending or um, brand development and <clears throat> things like that. But what they don't um, pay as much attention to is the financial side of it, cash flows, working capital, um, financing, things like that, being able to um, manage, your, manage your money, money flow. Um, and so my my background in, in finance um, has has been incredibly helpful in accounting because I obviously spreadsheets um, and you know and all that stuff. So I'm so far out ahead of it with with my accounting and keeping all of my ducks in a row and my invoices, making sure everything's paid and I'm paid and we're working everything out has been um, puts me certainly at an advantage. Where I've had to grow the most is in the brand development side because. Um, as much as fun as the marketing side is, I have um, the most terrifying thing in the world to me is a blank sheet of paper <laughs> with instructions to draw something um, because I have no creative mind. Um, I can tell when something is great and when something clicks, but I can't draw it. So getting the logo designed, kind of communicating what was in my head to the designer and going through iterations there and then coming up with the branding and the brand messaging and, and the imagery and all of that stuff, it feels great now to be able to point to it and say, all of this stuff fits and it, it's all a wonderful brand, but getting it, getting it out into the world was, um, was painful. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had your, your background to bring you into it, and this will give it to a segue here. What advice would you give to someone else that does this career change leap to go into an entrepreneurial ad adventure? What, what are those couple tips you can give? Um, make sure you have a good support system. So um, before, before you pursue something, it's, it, you will have, make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are going to lift you up and, um, and offer you advice and shoulders to cry on because every once in a while, I have this like up and down where um, I, I'm, I'm power through, power through. And then every, every like, few weeks every month or so you just have to have like a little like little half hour like breakdown <laughs> you just, um, but having somebody there to pick you up and um, also being able to find people whose skill sets complement you are so I have a friend who is a, a wonderful designer and she was incredibly helpful in bouncing ideas off of and visuals and putting all of the pieces together um, the last thing is um, being able to find a really good pillow because you're going to be spending a lot of time lying on it, staring at the ceiling. <laughs> and waiting for that four o'clock wake up. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends on what time of, what time of morning I wake up, but uh, I, I usually, I try and put myself back to sleep and it never works. And I, I, I just have to begrudgingly check what time it, I call three 30, the magic hour, because if it's three, <laughs> if it's three 15, it's like, okay, I can go back to sleep and still get a reasonable night's sleep. But if it's 3.33, you kind of have to go, oh, I'm awake. I'm not going back to sleep. And I don't know what happens in that 20 minute period. But for me, it, it's the difference between being up 
all day and, and maybe falling back asleep, but so definitely finding a good support system, finding people who complement your, your skill sets, um, and, um, figuring out how to, how to recharge, um, mentally and physically while you go through it. That's great advice. Both of them, a, a good pillow, good lumbar pillow and, uh, get in there and, and get some uh, rest and relaxation. So, uh, yeah. when can we expect the, the three tier system to let you move out of Florida and into the rest of the country? Oh, probably within the next six months. So sometime maybe over the summer, we'll have um, our, our platform open on our website and be able to, to ship direct to consumer um, straight to your home. So you can enjoy the spirit of carnival, whether you live in Denver or, or Philadelphia or anywhere in the U.S. Outstanding. And where can people go and find that and get in contact with you? So we have a website and an Instagram and um, Kashasa is spelled K-A-C-H-A-C-A spirits. That's where you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, kashasaspirits.com. Awesome. Thank you, Adelaide, for taking some of your time to hang out with us tonight on the Misfit Nation. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Awesome.
to make up, to break up, to wake up. Cold and lonely, chill, baby. You know me, you love me. I'm like your homie. Instead of beefing, come home me. I promise I'm not a phony. Don't bounce, baby, cause solely come in. There's nothing you can say to me that can change my mind. I gotta let you go now. And nothing will ever be the same. So just be on your way. Go ahead and do your thing now. And there's no one to explain to me, you know. I know you came, I'm not feeling what you do now. So I'm bouncing and I'm bouncing. I gotta leave you alone. Baby girl, I'm what you have You'll be needing me, but too bad Be easy, don't make decisions when you mad The path you chose to run alone I know you're independent, you can make it on your own Here with me, you had a home But time is of the essence, why oh, yeah. spend it alone, huh? All my pride is all I have Pride is what you had, baby girl, I'm what you have You'll be needing me, but too bad be easy, don't make decisions when you're mad. The path you chose to run alone. I know you're independent, you can make it on your own. Here with me, you had a home. But time is of the essence, why oh, spend yeah. it alone? You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Fit Nation.